Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Kirk Cousins, end zone, touchdown! Irv Smith, the rookie from Alabama, with his first NFL touchdown. Third and two, time for Cousins, going deep. He's got Diggs! That's a touchdown! What a play! Diggs got it 54 yards! First and ten, it's Cousins, and he'll throw, and he's got Rudolph, and he's got an open path to the end zone! Minnesota's got their first lead on a 36-yard touchdown pass! Cousins to Rudolph! Oh, there's so many things to discuss here, obviously, but let's just let's just roll the tape back one second. Just roll the tape back here. <laughs> Third and two, time for Cousins, going deep. He's got Diggs! That's a touchdown! What a play! What? Diggs got it 54 yards! That was a what? <laughs> That's not a recording here. That's Kevin Harlan. Uh, Kevin Harlan short-circuited there. The legendary and amazing Kevin Harlan short-circuited there on that Stefan Diggs touchdown. Uh, I went through my Twitter account and first of all i tweeted at halftime yesterday hey things are going haywire this This is this is a moment where kirk cousins just needs to rise up in the second half and save the team and just save the team just do it is what i tweeted and there's probably about a hundred people that responded with some version of wow he's not that guy i i tweeted you a gif of somebody saying I'm not that guy. Yeah, and that's yeah. what I was going to get to yeah. here is uh, Rami uh, H. Makloff. What's your middle name? What's your middle initial? F. Rami Fran- F. Francis. Rami Bleepin' Makloff. Yep. And uh, most of those hundred people came back later on in the night, maybe after scrolling through and said, yeah, boy, would like to take that one back. So uh, the floor is yours. If he's you'd still like, not if you'd that like guy. to apologize, he's, what do you mean? He's still not that guy. You have spent, You people say I rip Kirk Cousins. Yes. People say I rip Kirk Cousins. I don't Jeff. say this as a Rami, criticism. Rami has calmly stated the whole season he's not capable of coming back in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So stop asking. He's exactly as good as everything going on around him, except for and yesterday. That's for, for better or worse, Kirk Cousins can look great some weeks. Hell, Kirk Cousins can look great some halves and not so good in other halves. The whole team started playing better in the second half. How many points? How many points did the Broncos put up in the second half? Uh, was it seven? seven? Three. They scored uh, three. Three, three, points. three points. Three points. They put up three points in the second half. Kirk. And not to take anything away from Kirk Cousins and overcoming a 20-point deficit. Very impressive by the whole team. 
But what stopped happening in the second half was the breakdowns that you had in other facets of this Vikings football team. I mean, I don't see it that way. Judd, jump in here, but I think Kirk Cousins, for the first time as a Viking, for the first time as a Viking, put the team on his back in the second half, and they won the game. There's been a couple other games, like the game against Green Bay at the beginning of last year, he put the team on his back and then missed missed extra point or something. But this this was a second half. For 90 minutes, Kirk Cousins put the team on his back and and statistically has now the first fourth-quarter comeback win of his Vikings career. That's what I saw yesterday, and he deserves major credit for it. He deserves credit. I'm going to fall squarely in between both of you here, and here's why. <laughs> that first half was inexcusably awful. It was It was brutal. They did not show up. That was terrible. The second half, though, what where I'll give Cousins credit for executing it, but I'll give the Vikings coaching staff credit for going to it, was to come out in the opening drive of the third quarter and go two-minute drill the rest of that game was genius. And it somehow engaged them. This is, again, and this probably goes more to Rami's point than Phil's, this is, again, to me, doing something that helps Kirk to prop him up. Because once Kirk gets confident, he's really good. He's damn good. But again, go back to the first six plays in the scripted series of the first quarter and explain them to me. Dalvin Cook gets stopped, I believe, on the first, uh, like a three-yard run, the first play. The second play is a short pass. And then on third and one, so you're in pretty good shape. You hand the ball to C.J. Ham, and he gets stuffed. And then we start to go backwards. Uh-oh, Kirk's confidence is going. The offense, is, the offense as a whole, including the play caller, I think, at times, is starting to question himself. And then you come out in the third quarter with with a plan. And listen, Denver was awful. Like, Denver did a lot. If you were playing a competent team, you don't win that game. But for the sake of this conversation, you come out and attack, and Kirk gets confident. And by the way, Eureka, Stefan Diggs, sometimes he's covered and can still catch the ball. So I've said this all day long. If you were to tell me right now, okay, Judd, here's the plan. 2019 Vikings, I want you to put film in a time capsule for 2045. So when they bust it open, they can say, who are the 2019 Vikings? Oh, this shows them. I take the first half and I take the second half and put them both in a time capsule. And when it's dug up in 2045 and the person might say at halftime, I don't want to watch this. I'd say you have to watch it because this is this team, which, by the way, to this day, I can't explain fully. But I fall between both of what you're saying on Cousins. He gets credit, but they also get credit for coming around and saying, we can't keep bashing our head against the wall because the whole thing, including Kirk, is falling apart. But I think to sit here and, and sort I'm not, of... not giving him credit. But there's no reason to wring hands over the first half. Sure okay? there is. No, but, 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 let's, but there's a million things, and by the way, we will do our Vikings nitpicks in about uh, an hour and a half here, and, it, and there's a juicy list of things to nitpick. Mm-hmm. I am not saying that there's not things to nitpick. What I am saying is we can't treat NFL games and an NFL season as if teams just are supposed to play at a, at a steadily high level across the board for four months. Teams have games like this. The pa- Look at the Patriots' offense the last few weeks. The Patriots are bad. The, yes. Downright the, bad. But not he, average, bad. Correct. Yeah. And and Tom Brady has been downright bad in a lot of ways too in the last few weeks himself. Even some of the best teams in the NFL have halves or months where they look like this. It's never just week one to week seventeen and 
teams just play once in a while. You get the the undefeated Patriots from 2007, right? And the difference is when you look like the Vikings did in the first half, when you are playing a clunker, do you lose or do you win? And yesterday, the Vikings had every reason to fall into that trap game and to lose and to now have a bad taste in their mouths for two weeks and to be tied in the loss column if they would have lost that game with a bunch of other wildcard teams. Everything pointed to them losing that game. And this happens time after time after time to every team in the NFL. And the difference between the teams that make it to the second, third round of the playoffs and the teams that don't even make it, like the Broncos, can you still win the game when you're not supposed to? And yesterday, and I would say largely during the Kirk Cousins era, the answer is no for the Vikings. When a game flow is headed in the direction... 10 and one Yes. When trailing in the fourth quarter since Kirk Cousins was our quarterback? And yesterday the answer was yes. They won the game yesterday. Yeah. So, I, so again, I'm not like dismissing Harrison Smith's hamstring or the defense not being able to stop Brandon Allen at times. But what I am saying is the fact that they won the game is headline one, two, and, and I, three. I said the very same thing today on Score North Live. There's no... T- that victory means a lot in terms of how I perceive this Vikings team because they faced a lot of adversity and they faced a lot of questions and 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 a, a lot of negative storylines in their building and narratives surrounding Kirk Cousins and this football team had they lost that game. And they stared all that and a 20-point deficit in the face and came back and won that game in the second half. And I was impressed by them almost throughout, unit for unit. But that doesn't mean that Kirk Cousins carried this team and overcame all the things that went wrong for the Vikings. Things stopped going wrong. They they stopped having all the failures that they had in the first half, including Kirk Cousins playing better. But I still say Kirk Cousins is as good or as bad, and exactly as good or as bad, no more, no less, as what is going on around him. Yeah, I think he rose up yesterday. I think I think yeah, yesterday I think was different. Gets, I think he, I think he rose up big time yesterday. But Phil, where I'll take exception with what you're saying is this. You're allowed clunkers, especially on the road. The Bears game, to me, goes back to, as the Vikings, that's a clunker. It's too bad. You looked awful. In retrospect now, it's a bad loss. But you just played poorly on the road. I don't think that good teams are allowed... 20 nothing deficits at home against a bad team. The thing that drove me crazy all last week, all last You're week. You're just upset because you called it loser proof. Well, and it turned out to be they, they, they couldn't <laughs> because Denver's so poorly coached. Vic Fangio is oh awful. My God. He's terrible. Vic Fangio. But you can't, but the, the narrative that drove me crazy about the Broncos when, when I numerous times said, the Vikings can't lose this game was you don't understand. The Broncos have lost a bunch of late leads and they could be six and three. And I'm like, okay, but they're three and six. Yesterday we found out why the Broncos got on a plane to return home at three and seven. So what bothers me is that first half is allowable at home, I think, against a really good team. And if you go on the road and lay an egg, I'm so okay because this league is tough. But at home to play like that for a half and to put yourself up against it like that, this is why I wanted to get through this game, boys. I want to see Seattle in Seattle. How do you do? How do you respond? Because you get credit for coming back. You certainly got help, but that's fine. But that first half was not excusable to me. Okay, but I have a major you, problem with but it. But you should you should almost be happy that the first half happened the way that it did. Because we all needed to see. We talk about the boxes that they need to check, right? Mm-hmm. And the Dallas game a week ago was primetime, winning opponent, road. Check, check, check. And one of the boxes that just hasn't been checked for a year and a half is fourth quarter comeback. Fourth quarter comeback. And let's and just to to appease Rami here, 
let's not even put it all on Cousins. Let's just say fourth quarter comeback as a team. Mm-hmm. Because the team is also 0-10-1 going into this week right. in the Kirk Cousins era in those situations. right? They're 0-10-1 when trailing in the fourth quarter uh, uh, since Kirk Cousins jumped on board. And so I, I'm actually sort of thankful on behalf of the Vikings that they <laughs> fell behind 20 to nothing. And they got their fourth oh. quarter comeback training wheels. No, you're losing listen, me. Listen, it's Next not training wheels. Robbie, you take it. I can't do this. It's Denver. It's Denver. Wheels. Seattle. Seattle no. would be the bike without the training wheels. No. Okay, if you if you, fall, if you fall down, See, I don't fourteen think... points to Seattle. Now you're riding an actual bike. I'm my back this was training wheels. I don't, think, I don't think you have to do all. Be this. grateful. I don't think you have to do all this <laughs> twisting to explain the first half, Mackie. The, the first half. Oh, it was th- terrible. I'm not doing twisting. The, it's you, terrible. Uh, you kind of are. I'm saying we should be grateful that that it happened on behalf of Kirk Cousins. I don't think. <laughs> that twenty point deficit is as is as bad or should be as discouraging as you guys are making it out to be. What happened in that first half, Judd? You were with me. Actually, Kevin Harlan said it succinctly: self destruction by the Minnesota Vikings. That oh, was I some of him. it. There I was, love Harlan. Th- there was plenty of self destruction, but you were with me on Score North Live. Was it? Yeah, I think it was Thursday. Usually there on Thursdays, where I laid out the script for the Vikings to lose this football game. Uh huh. And it was exactly what played out. In the first half. Self-destruction by the Minnesota Vikings. That's pressure so on Kirk Cousins. That's a couple of turnovers. And all of a sudden, the Broncos are up two or three scores. And they can pin their ears back and send all the dogs after Kirk Cousins, which, as we've seen in the past, is when things start to go wrong. And it started to snowball. And thank God, if you're a Vikings fan, for that interception at the end of the first half that stopped them and kept it within three scores rather than four if it's a field goal or a touchdown. But up yeah. until that point... Exactly the script that I laid out because of things that the Broncos do well, rush the passer, and things that the Vikings don't do well, stop pass rushers, played out exactly how I said it would, and that's how you got to a twenty to a twenty nothing deficit. It's the Broncos aren't as bad as they look on paper, and when you look at the matchup, they're a good matchup for the Vikings. That's how we got there. The Vikings came out completely asleep. They were either on the bye. I, yeah. They did lack juice. They, they did la- lack they, electricity. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a human element at play here that I think the just, bye. The fact that you've grinded out. You've, your training camp started months ago at this point. Uh, you've grinded out a, a tough game against Dallas, and the buys on the horizon. You got Seattle on the horizon. You're you're probably already booking like travel home. I mean, there's a human element at play oh, yeah, for why for they sure. fell behind in the first half. Trap game, but Cousins Jen did. Hates to hear. I it, hate but that term. Trap but game. Co- you know what, Cousins? We have been saying, let's see it, and we saw it. But the one thing I don't get, and the one guy I think we should give a ton of credit to is Stefan Diggs, because here's what I don't get. He caught a 34-yard pass in the first half that was erased by a Riley Reef holding penalty, okay? So go to the stat sheet now, and in the first half of that game, Stefan Diggs was not targeted once. I get that teams are trying to contain him, but he is one of the best in the league, all right? He's not like, oh, this is a nice receiver. No, he is He is extremely talented. Yes. And then what I loved, and this is, and, and if there's a positive that could be categorized in the intangibles here from yesterday, this is it to me. It seems like the Vikings players are starting to get their roles down pat, okay? And Stefan Diggs, on that sideline, when things were going bad, was raging. Like, I'm talking about running up and down the sideline, yelling at people. He was PO'd, and he should have been. But that's not, and that's not Kirk, and I think that's cool. Like, that Kirk is never going to be, Kirk wants to be the CEO of the offense, and Kirk is, and that's fine. But when Stefan scored that touchdown and went absolutely nuts, that building exploded. And when that building exploded, it changes. Denver's like, oh boy, I don't know about this. Stefan Diggs is not 
probably the most talented player on the offense because that's probably Dalvin Cook. But he is I the. I mean, it's but it might be close. But my point is, he's the captain. And yesterday he was the captain, and because I think the his pers- demeanor changed things. I thought mightily. Well, the per- I think just because so you were at the stadium, uh, I was back here hosting Ventline. Rami was eating some sort of a uh, tater tot waffle crisp oh, situation. Man, it was just a tater tot waffle. There, how, no- how are you not super fat, man? I, and, and I'm not saying that. I'm saying that admiring you. I'm not. So for people who are now going to tweet, well, you're not exactly thin. That's correct. I admire you. You want the real answer? It's what I call the eighty percent rule. Okay. Do the right thing 80% of the time. Eat the right thing. Well, I thought you were going to say... Get your workout you in. Throw it away after you eat 80%. 80% of the time. Okay. And you're going to be fine. Just to be clear, you're I admire not, you for this. You're not going to be a bodybuilder. Was... You're not going to be a professional athlete. No, but I admire it. But you'll be all right. And yesterday was the 20 for you, right? Oh, the whole weekend is the 20. So watching on TV, my perception, and just sort of reading some of the tweets was, oh my God, Stefan Stefan Diggs has... He, he had a nice little month there where they got him yeah. back in. They got him back in the mix, and yeah. he was having a hundred yard games. And then it literally took them an hour of real time yesterday to target Stefan Diggs, and then the first target got blown back because of uh, mm-hmm. I think Riley Reef held or something. Pedal, yep. uh, so was your perception that Stefan Diggs was helping the matter on the sidelines, or was he just making noise about not getting the ball? Like, what was the context of Stefan Diggs and? His yelling and screaming and the demonstrative nature. Because obviously they come back and they win and he gets his numbers and it, oh, right. like Stefan Diggs help. Was Five it, catches. was it actually helpful or was he, was he being more of a nuisance and a problem? No, you know what? I think it's helpful because one, it's not like he was going to Kirk and just complaining. Like if he had spent all of his time in front of Kirk, I'd be like, okay, dude, that's probably too much. But he was going up and down the sideline screaming, super intense and, and Let's say let's say that the Vikings had fallen behind twenty to rip at halftime, but were actually playing hard and things were just coming unglued. Then I think if you go crazy, it's like okay, this might not be the best thing. But that team was so flat. I think it helped. I think it definitely helped. And and you know what? If he was going to people saying, if he was going to uh, Stefanski saying, "Give me the ball," he's right. He can't be the thing. One of the things I don't get is this. You can't just ignore him. Like, there have been times, large times, that he's just ignored, and he's too good. And the other thing is, if you get Kirk the slightest bit confident, he can hit him. Like, Kirk can make... I, I think, Dude, Kirk I think an we all. I think ball. we can all agree that for the flaws Kirk Cousins has, one flaw he does not have is the God-given ability to throw a deep ball and hit it. Yes. Like, the short pass at times, man, they're not so good. But for Stefan Diggs to be... to For, for the... Notion of, well, he's being taken away and we can't. No, no. This is where you pay. If if we were to go down, let's say, list five reasons why Kirk is paid. So these are the five reasons. He's paid a ton. Mm-hmm. These are the five reasons. I think ability to throw the deep ball is probably one or two, don't you? Oh, it's, yes. So, it's, and who's going to catch it? Honestly, Stephon Diggs. If the, Vikings are, if the Vikings win a Super Bowl this year or next year, all right? If the Vikings win a Super Bowl, Kirk Cousins throwing deep passes is going to be on a short list of main reasons why they win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Him connecting. Like, if if you go, if, if we're looking ahead, if the Vikings win the Super Bowl in 2019, and we're watching an NFL Films video in 2040, looking back, like the slow-motion highlights of the game, it's going to be a slow-motion, tightly-wound spiral through the air, 45 yards down the field to Stephon Diggs, over the head of a Patriots defender. Like, that will be part of the reason why they win the Super Bowl, for sure. Yeah. 
Absolutely. You're going to need to complete some of those passes. No doubt. But I really thought that if they lost that game, we were in store for Mount Diggs eruption part two. Yeah. Like, that's another thing that I thought they they faced down and overcame. That Stephon Diggs was losing it a little bit. And like, like Judd is saying, maybe for good reason. Probably for good reason. Because they forgot about him and his role in the offense. Because they were probably rolling double coverage over to his side. But... If if that didn't change in the second half, not only were you about to lose a football game, you were about to lose the one healthy star wide receiver that you have. Because I really think he was about to have his second blow up of the season. Yeah. Okay, just real quick, just to just to pull the room here, because this has been a good little twenty minute discussion out of the gate here, uh, mm-hmm. Mackie and Judd with Rami on Score North. Uh, it it kind of feels like you guys, Judd for sure. If I ask the question, what did you learn most about the Vikings yesterday? That that the first half is equally, if not more, of a thing that you learn than the second half. And when I think back to yesterday's game, I don't care. To me, it's like 80-20. The second half weighs 80 and the first half weighs 20. Because I don't think, for a million different reasons, human element, bye week on the horizon, Seattle over here and Dallas over here on the bookends of this Denver Broncos game, I don't think you're going to see a repeat of that first half performance. I think you flush it. The second half is something that we've wanted to see for a year and a half, and we did. I don't, think, and that's why I'm weighing it eighty twenty. I don't think you can just say we won't see that again and flush it because they're going to face matchups just like the one that we saw yesterday, and that's really good pass rushes and that that can exploit your weakness on offense and really good wide receivers and or quarterbacks who can exploit your weakness on defense. I mean, you don't even see. Really good wide receivers yesterday. Cortland Sutton is good, but he's not a tier one wide receiver. Sure and that, looked like it. That guy was able to repeatedly beat up on Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes. Th- those are things, those are matchups that teams are still going to be able to exploit in the future. And can the Vikings do the things and make the adjustments that they did yesterday to overcome it? That that's the test that they faced, and you feel better about it should they face those tests again because they overcame. But like I said, tougher tests are ahead in terms of those tough matchups teams will present. I I know people are looking at the Chargers like that's an easy win, just like you were looking at the Broncos like it was an easy win. But look at what the Chargers do in terms of chasing down quarterbacks when Bosa is healthy. They're going to present a challenge for this Vikings team again because of what they're good at versus what the Vikings aren't good at. It's not always about better team versus worse team. It's about matchups sometimes in the NFL. The Broncos presented a tough matchup. The Chargers will present a tough matchup. And a lot of the teams left on their schedule present tough matchups for what the Vikings struggle with. It's my feeling right now that in the obituary of the 2019 Vikings season... You're already writing the obituary? The obituary. We are going to say this. <laughs> You've been with either 8 and 3. We are going to, <laughs> we are going to say this. Why didn't you trade for a cornerback? Rami's right. I watched Rhodes yesterday, and I decided I'm just going to watch him. So I'm just going to watch, because you see him get beat on TV, and, you know, it's just a quick pass, right? But you really don't see it. He can't run. And there's either something wrong with his hamstring or his legs are shot, but he is hopping along. He jams, so at the line of scrimmage, right, he jams the receiver, and then he literally grabs him as long as possible without it drawing a flag. And then he attempts to hop along, keeping up with this guy. It's scary to watch. They have to come back against Seattle with a different plan here. And in my opinion, I know he gets picked on. And I know Prescott threw at him 17 times. And I'm here to tell you right now, I don't care. 
I'm playing Mike Hughes because I think he can learn. Xavier Rhodes, guys, is... This is harsh. The guy I saw yesterday in some ways is almost a lost cause. It's really sad to watch. At least with Mike Hughes, if I play him, I feel he can develop. But the current situation right now, to to Rami's point about the quarterbacks and receivers that they're going to face... 29 is not going to work here. It doesn't work, at least not nearly as much as they want it to. Good thing none of those things matter when uh, you look at the Mount Rushmore of great comeback quarterbacks, and it now includes John Elway, <laughs> Joe Montana, Tom Brady, and Kirk Cousins. Let's go to the phone line. Six, what was the five, drive yesterday, Phil? Six, <laughs> which, which series would you consider the drive? All of them. 651-646-8255. Vikings beat the Broncos down 20 to nothing at halftime. Full coverage at scorenorth.com. Vikings vent line. If you missed uh, post-game yesterday or 24 hours later this morning, anywhere you find podcasts, Randy in Cottage Grove, how did you celebrate a Vikings win yesterday? Well, uh, uh, first, of all, first off, I need to pick a bone with uh, somebody. Some One of the guys in the room said something. Uh, Dick Sanjo isn't a good coach. He's a, he's a, he rocks. I think so we all hard. said that, Randy. <laughs> I think we were all pretty much in unison. That Vic, I started it, though. Although Vic Fangio, I will say that he is one of the only people in the world that looks exactly like his name sounds. <laughs> well, he's, a, he's a tough customer. You look in, Just look into his, his background, and he's getting a raw deal there in Denver. Vic, if, if you're listening, you're, you're one of the good, solid football men I've ever met. He's a, he's a, he's a great guy. But no, football. It, what what it was for uh, for a lot of us yesterday uh, was a tale uh, of of two halves, okay. And I don't I don't just mean the way the team was playing. I mean the results. The bar I was at was dead. It was there was it was lifeless. There was no vibe. No one was sco- uh, yelling school. No one no one had the I got a my buddy Dave has a, a small like a miniature uh, Gallahorn. He didn't even take it out one time. No one was snug. No one was was excited about anything happening, and it felt like the Buffalo game. It felt like that that forty one to zero Giants yeah. game that I that I still am pissed about. It it I, we were ready to leave at the half, and at the half, I don't know what Zim said to his guys, but I'll tell you, we all had a little huddle in the bar. Oh really? We said, we said guys, if they ain't gonna serve us touchdown shots, we're gonna buy them ourselves. And we're gonna bring, we're gonna will, will those touchdown shots into into uh, existence, and we did, and it worked. We had we ripped three uh, rumplements at the half, and and each each guy, by the way, and then the third quarter started, and we started to roll. We started to roll, and the fourth quarter was just icing on the cake, and then we stayed. We had a good, we had a good old night. Let's just say that we did not. We treated that Sunday like a Saturday, and that would not have been possible. At all, without Zim pumping up the guys at the half, and I wrote, I said, Zim, you gotta tighten it up. And then all the they they all came. And Kirk, who's gonna talk smack about you now? Who's gonna talk smack about you now, Kirk? Nobody. Yeah, Rami. Because you've got what, who, who's that? No, oh, just keep going. Go ahead. You, you nobody can talk smack about him now. He's got a fourth quarter comeback. He, he's playing better football this year than Aaron Rodgers. And you and and and, and look it up. Look at the stats. Kirk Cousins, if his name was Aaron Rodgers, you'd be crowning him, giving him the MVP, and then he gets a bum deal. Kirk, you're all right with us, okay? We like you here. In fact, I got a little uh, little award for you, Kirk. If you guys can do my uh, the music, I, I'm going to do oh. another 
collection of Randy's. He's calling for music stables. again. Well, what was it? What are you going to do? Rand, Randy's stud stable. These are my studs of the game from yesterday. After only after victories, and I I do a lot of breakdown of the all twenty two, and I I got some good studs here. It's not out yet, Randy. Need a roll. Uh, so this is now. So this is the second week in a row that you've called in and have the done. Twenty two is not out yet, Phil. What do we call them this again? Randy's stud stable. I guess These it's a segment now. The All game right. Against Denver. Okay. All right. Here we go. Let's go. Randy's stud stable. First guy I just mentioned, Kirk Cousins, the stud. Alexander Madison, little light, but you provided the spark when it was needed. The stud. Yeah. Delvin Cook, shut you down for a little while. Wait. You've surrounded the muscle when it was necessary. A stud. Yeah. Stephon Diggs, you got to barking on the sideline, and it paid off. He's a stud. Cal Rudolph, way to slip open and let the rollout pay off. He's a stud. Tyler Conklin. I bet you thought they forgot about you. <laughs> He's a stud. CJ Ham. One carry, but it meant an awful lot at the time. He's a stud. Mm. How big's the stable? Amir Abdullah. 11 yards, but they were big boy yards Wait. when they needed to happen. Randy, he fumbled right at the half. Then he, I think he fumbled twice. Let's switch over to the defense. Uh, that was huge. Don't worry about it. Curse. The stud. We're going to have to fade Randy there, Jonathan. Again? Yeah. Just start on defense. The way this guy came no, with attitude on the line. Yeah. Goodbye, Randy. <laughs> you didn't know we faded him last week, huh? Randy in Cottage Grove. Stud stable, which has now apparently become a weekly segment on Mackie and Jeb with Rami. We'll Let's just move out of the way. No, I like it. By the way, if you want to call in and you just want to do a segment, it's like Jonathan three, will fire up some music. It's like three minutes. I don't have to work, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you'll be able to sit back in this next segment because when we come back, did you see um, Bears vent line, baby? Oh, no, we don't have to. Oh, do we need that. And a lying coach. Yeah, it's all happening. It's all happening. The coaches decided to start lying. Do you see yesterday Randy announced his stud stable on Twitter? No. You didn't see that? No. And he has, it's even a hashtag. Randy's stud stable. Wow. With E-L at the end. And uh, Jordan tweeted at Randy when he announced that he was putting together his stud stable and said, so many players played poorly, yet because one or two plays, you will call them a stud, thus making your list not credible. Just calling everyone a stud isn't what the people want to hear from you. I can promise you that. Hence why they cut you off on Score North. Don't repeat that. <laughs> this guy should be careful. Randy's got a long history. Be careful. Randy yeah. said, uh, my list is based off my analyst of the game people like to hear who is a stud. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's I enjoy wrong. it. I enjoy it. In fact, uh, the stud stable coming, Randy. now has an official sponsor. It's powered by Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Are you sure they want to be in on fast. this? I have not verified with them yet. <laughs> okay, they might not want to. not checked with them yet. I was going to say, I've been here 10 months, man. I don't have a, I don't have a sponsored segment yet. Just Damn, but Randy. Randy. But Randy does. Uh, so Federated is here to protect business owners. They have over a century of experience in helping business owners become as successful as they can be. Uh, there's, there's numerous times I'm sure where you've, uh, as a business owner, you've had to maybe worry about something, maybe an insurance claim that 
left you feeling like you got sacked or something, like Brandon Allen a couple times in the second half yesterday. When something happens to the company you built with your blood, sweat, and tears, you want to make sure that you're not left uh, sitting on the sidelines. Federated is here to help. Federated is uh, easy to find. Federatedinsurance.com. Federatedinsurance.com to find your Federated Marketing Representative. Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North Download. Download Score North mobile app and make sure you register for listening rewards. This month, one lucky app user will win a $200 Visa gift card just for having the mobile app. All you got to do, download the app, register the app, and enter through listening rewards. And after he led his team to a comeback win, Yesterday, Minnesota Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins had this to say to the media. You guys can be as hard on me as you want. Uh, I'm living a dream. I'm well compensated. you got to take the good with the bad, right? If that means pressure and there's weight and there's expectations that sometimes are unfair, that comes with the territory. Welcome to uh, to maybe live in life at a, at a higher altitude than I used to. So, sure, I would love to have all the credit and none of the blame, like Michael Scott says in the office. But uh, it doesn't work that way. And uh, if anything, I'd like to be able to set an example for my teammates of what it should look like to take blame and to point the finger at yourself and to own up. I think that when you do that, you can you can send a message to people about you know how, how you should handle it. That's been your score, North Dallas. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Rami. Okay, quoting Michael Scott in the office is one way to win over Rami Makhlouf. I'll tell you that You're right in now. now. Oh, I, might in. Be, I might be a Kirk Cousins guy before long if he keeps that up. I love what he said there. I thought what he said there was... That and it, it didn't sound forced. Sometimes in the last year and a half, it has sounded like Kirk Cousins is trying to sound like a quarterback or a franchise quarterback or a leader. And I almost feel like he's been sort of beaten down enough by criticism at this point that the last few weeks it just kind of feels like oh, he's just going to be himself and he's just going to actually say what he thinks. That actually, I believe, started with the Giants game. The, the Chicago game was so bad that I think it became a crossroads of you're either going to take the edge of you don't care so much or you are just going to basically collapse. And he he took a good road. Uh, that quote was actually asked because Diggs in the locker room during his post game access talked about the fact that Kirk gets too much blame. Yeah, hold on, let me. Yep. Uh, sorry, I, I went to, I went to I went to the Bears vent line page. I'm I, all excited. I don't know why, why you went to the Bears vent line page. This is Stephon Diggs. Okay. Okay. Kirk threw a hell of a ball as usual. You know, um, he's playing lights out. He's doing a great job. And you guys need to give him more credit. You know, you guys are hard on him when he plays when he isn't playing well. You know, he's doing everything he can. So right now. He just helped us get in the back in the game and to win the game. So I want you guys to obviously give him a pat on the back. By the way, point taken by Stefan Diggs, but he's also the guy that willingly left practice for two days, got fined two hundred thousand dollars because he was mad about Kirk Cousins. In I don't the think he was. Game. I don't think he was mad about Kirk Cousins. I said this at the time. I think he was mad with the offensive philosophy and his role in the offense as a whole. I don't think that was a Kirk Cousins beef that Stephon Diggs had earlier in the season. I think that nobody really dislikes Kirk as much as we thought. Um, I just don't think, I, I think the Kirk, I think one of the things that they have done pretty much since after that Chicago debacle was to my point, I think everybody's sort of fitting their role more so as well. Like if Diggs wants to be the yell and scream guy, go for it. It works. It seems sincere, right? So if Kirk got worked up, if Kirk became Tom Brady tomorrow and started to swear at guys or started, they'd be like, what are you doing? This doesn't work. And so I do think that what we've seen in the evolution of this team from sort of a locker room standpoint, too, is people's roles developing and making sense. Yeah. And so, Kirk, but you know what, Kirk also, I go back, those first four games, man, when things went wrong, Kirk seemed like his life stunk. 
Kirk looked like a guy who would prefer to be um, doing groceries as opposed to playing football. And you can't look like that. And since the Giants game, he's looked like a guy who appears to have more fun. It might not always go right, but he doesn't appear to be so put upon. He That's, looks really happy after the game. Do you guys see what where he went after the game? I did see this. This is this is nothing more than stalling to stay away from Bears vent line. But go ahead. So what? He went to the out, <laughs> he went to the Outback Steakhouse. Oh, this is not special. after the game. Which, by the way, is a great decision. What? I went to Outback two Saturdays ago. Dinner with the uh, the fiance, and it's just as good as I could have hoped. Bloom and onions. Bloom and right? onions. Bloom and, and, onions. And, and by the way, by the way, so we waited. Dude. We waited. <laughs> Like forty minutes for a table. You waited at, forty minutes for a table at Outback, and oh, they brought get out, drunk at the bar. They brought out three blooming onions for the people that were waiting. Oh, nice! Genius move. Genius. Wait, call. wait, Rami, what's wrong? We're in like a restaurant heaven yeah. in the Rami's Twin right Cities here. of yeah. like real good restaurants with like quality chefs making like Outback Steakhouse quality food. And you're going to Outback Steakhouse? Hold oh. on. The guy from Chicago and Milwaukee is having to tell the guy from here about all the good restaurants yes. here. Yes. Wow, this is great. What? Why? You Why? Have, you haven't lived. I've been to an Outback. Okay. Until you've dipped a Bloomin' Onion in that spicy mayo sauce. I've been to an Outback. melt on your tongue, Rami. Kirk Cousins doing this is not a surprise. When Kirk Cousins came here to talk to the Vikings about signing here, ordinarily the, the place that they take their big-name guys who are talking about coming here is Manny Steakhouse, right? Manny's Delicious Steakhouse. Haven't been, but I want to. Okay, you would love Manny's. Yeah, I would. Kirk Cousins went to Capitol Grill. He likes the chains. I mean, it's just Cousins. Okay, if you guys just if you guys just pulled the best comeback of your football life, all right, and you're ready to rock and roll, and you've got it's a bye week, and so you can get after a little bit. Oh yeah. Which chain restaurant which are you going to are you going to dominate? I'm not going to a chain. You have to go to a chain. Which chain restaurant are you going to dominate? Come on. Probably Dave and Buster's. There you go. Probably Dave I, I and Buster's. I knew you had one in you. Probably, but that's not. That, I mean, the food is solid at Dave and Buster's, but it's more about the atmosphere and, and the environment. And what, it, are you gonna go play games? Yeah, all right, all night. Okay, I'm, uh, that's fine. I had. I had a. Uh, I'm just asking. I did endorsements for Dave and Buster's when I lived in Milwaukee, and so I'd get the VIP treatment when oh, I went nice. there. Oh man. Me, that was that was date night for me and my girlfriend. What does the VIP <laughs> treatment to Dave and Buster's? I didn't pay for I didn't pay for anything. <laughs> Drinks, food, games. It was all on the house, and uh, we had to Uber there and back because things got ridiculous. I've got four words for you guys uh-huh. for my celebration: Applebee's Oriental Chicken Salad. That's right. Am I really on the show? <laughs> you lead a twenty-point comeback in the NFL, and you're going to. Applebee's, Applebee's Oriental salad? Chicken Salad. Crispy, please. <laughs> what? That's right. Is there, like, what? is there a not-crispy so salad? Avoid this question is now. there a salad that what? just comes with wilted lettuce? What do you mean, crispy? <laughs> what does that even mean? The chicken, Rami. Oh, okay. The right. chicken. Okay. Crispy. Yeah. Uh, okay, no more stalling. Our offense is set up not to score touchdowns. <laughs> Let me say it again. Not to score touchdowns. In the first half, what was it, Dan? I know it's what was it three times? We're down around a twenty nine yard line, the thirty yard line, whatever. When you're on offense, you have four downs. Not one time. I mean as in one time did he try to throw the ball into the end zone and score a touchdown. If that's Green Bay, if that's New England, if it's anybody Somebody's firing in the end zone to score a touchdown. How are you supposed to win a football game?
Courtesy of WGN in Chicago. Do you have more by chance? Yes. The game was there. We got every break tonight, every penalty call, and we put up, what was it, one stinking touchdown? That was it. On one one, one touchdown right. again, folks. You know how many games I could say that about the last two years with this brilliant coach that we got from Kansas City? Maggie, I'm going to tell you what, pal. What you've done last year and what you're doing this year, if we didn't have this defense, I'll guarantee you, if it was any other owner, you would be fired. Over to our Bears correspondent, Rami. Um, if you go back to Score North Live, you can probably pull another another rant, mine, for your Bears vet line, if you are so inclined, because I agree 100% with what these guys are saying. And that debacle at the end of the game, where you pull Mitch Trubisky because he's allegedly hurt, has so many questions surrounding it. Was he hurt coming into the week? Were you lying about that and he never showed up on the injury report? Did he not really get hurt during the game, and are you lying about that? And if you're lying about the injury and you just benched him when the game was out of reach, all you accomplished was now having to answer questions about why you benched your quarterback and your benched quarterback asking questions about why he was benched. It served absolutely no purpose. I'm not against benching him, but if you were going to do it, do it 10 minutes earlier when you had a chance to actually win the freaking football game. Think about this. We had fourth and five, and the Rams are called for roughing the punter. And if we would have taken the penalty, it would have been fourth and maybe, you know, the length of a football. And why not even go for it? I think we were somewhere out around the, uh, you know, 38 or 40 yard line. And if a length of a football, come on, you're supposed to have, you know, David Montgomery's supposed to be, you know, uh, a, a guy that can get you a yard. No, we refuse the penalty and give them the ball. And time and time again tonight, I just, I was, I was perplexed. Was our guy, Vikings fans are happy today. Was our guy Sage right? Is Nagy basically Childress Jr.? It feels so similar. And 2018-19 in Chicago feels so much, although they, they didn't get that far. But it, but the demeanor of the season feels so much like 2009-10 to Vikings. Yeah, he's got his T-Jack. He's got his sort of weird, defiant relationship with the media. And he's also got kind of the uh, receding hairline look. Oh, he looks sort of, yeah, he looks like he could be his little brother. Yeah. but so, the whole, I'm done with that, dude, man. But the whole thing is just weird. Here's my question. Do you guys think... No. That Ryan Pace has basically forbidden the head coach from benching Trubisky because it's Pace's guy, not Nagy's guy. And that Nagy finally said, I got to do something. I'll make up why, but I got to bench him. No, I think, I think Nagy is married to Trubisky by circumstance. Why was, why was Nagy hired? Because he said he could coach him. He was hired to develop and foster the growth of Mitchell Trubisky. If he can't do that, he has failed as a head coach, and he knows that. They're attached to the Do you want Pace's job, too? Uh, I don't know. And I know there are a lot of people who do. Go and ahead and listen, call for it. The, the, fail, the failure of, of Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback, yep. 
it goes beyond Mitchell Trubisky, and that doesn't excuse Trubisky. He he definitely plays a large part in it, and he might just not be that good. But when you look at the job that Ryan Pace has done, that's that's an, a borderline unforgivable mistake of what he did to go and get Mitchell Trubisky. But the roster that he inherited was completely devoid of talent. The best player he had on that roster when he took over was the left guard Kyle Long. When your left guard is the best player on a roster, you got some serious problems from a talent perspective and from a roster perspective. He's done a lot of things, especially on the defensive side of the football. I think he's made some good additions in terms of uh, position players on, on the offensive side of the football. He's done a lot to improve this football team, but that... The whole Mitchell Trubisky thing is a huge strike you know, against Ryan Pace. Actually, the story of the Chicago Bears in my lifetime, going back to the 1985, basically since the Bears won a championship in 1985, the story of the Bears has been one pop-up year, inability to find a quarterback, and then back down the chute. And then do it again, go back up. Like every seven or eight years, the Bears have a nice little pop-up season where they go 13-3 and or 11-5, and 12-4, and they win a division, their defense is great, and then they slide right back down. And it's a major credit to the Minnesota Vikings, even though they've never won a Super Bowl and they usually rip your heart out at the end of the season. You can count on one hand, basically in the history of their franchise, how many seasons they've train wrecked. Like complete train wreck season where they win four games or the roof collapses in 2010. So, I mean, the just sort of watching the frustration of Bears fan Rami here over the past few weeks and like that whole fan base thought well they're going to build off of what they did they got their franchise quarterback and even though the Vikings have been on the hunt for a franchise quarterback for years too they they always give you something they give you the 9 and 7 even their bad seasons they give you 7 wins 8 wins they don't give you 2 wins 3 wins always be wary of the coach in the offseason who asks for Augusta silence boys Augusta silence that's when i said this guy don't got it for the the kicking competition, yes, his kicking competition. And by the way, you finally signed a kicker who still stinks. <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, but it, it makes no. You're sense. not sorry. No, don't. Well, give no, me I the, feel I'm no. Sorry, you're not I feel, sorry. No, I actually feel well, empathy that smile for you on as your a face Bears says fan. You're not sorry. Well, I've seen it before. Here, yeah. I'm just telling you that that when he got into this whole thing of repeatedly showing the Eagles' playoff loss to his players and then had this kicking competition that made no sense, you said this guy might not have the fastball I thought he did. Let's take one quick Vikings call because Mark and Hopkins has been on hold for a while. 651-646-8255. Tom Pellicero coming up to talk Vikings, and he'll take us behind the scenes. He was on the field during that win yesterday. Mark, go ahead, man. Yeah, I think you guys haven't brought up something that I think is a big problem right now with the Vikings. I think the coach is having problems getting some of his uh, high-end players that aren't producing out of the game. I think in the secondary, one, uh, the offense is another problem, but uh, secondary, I think that uh, if it was me, since I got Sandale back, I'd take my second-best cover person and move him to corner. I think Harris can play that position. I would take a shot at that because the other guys, and I didn't see Holton Hill yesterday, I would have at least tried him. But here's here's a big problem on the offensive line. Uh, they got three guys on the one side. And Klein was out yesterday. They really hurt him. They if, if you watched the Rams game last night, they had two rookies come in, Edwards and the other guy, and they blocked better than any of the guys they had up front. They got they got a guy on the bench they haven't even brought up yet, uh, Samia, who was one of the best guards in all of football last year. And then they got that rookie, Elon. 
did great in preseason. See, what happens to the Vikings is when they don't zone block well, they can't push anybody forward. So what they should, what they're going to have to do when they play a tough front like uh, New Orleans, they got two guys that can push people out. They can't always block zone ways. That's when they get into trouble. Yeah, Mark, hey, Mark th- thank you. Again. Thank you for the phone call, Mark. Uh, let's go back to his first point because I think there's some meat on the bone there of the secondary. The elephant in the room right now is clearly Xavier Rhodes, right? It's just, I, I don't. Yeah, and Trey Waynes is not great, but yeah. But the Trey pass, Waynes pass is still. defense is concerning. But like much. you can't, but Trey Waynes hasn't lost two steps like Xavier Rhodes has yeah, lost. Rhodes and, is something's wrong, I think. So you got to wonder what Mike Zimmer's going to do here with two weeks to sort of look through, evaluate, or self evaluate, as coaches say during the bye week. I do wonder if you're going to see a couple drastic changes. And also Harrison Smith's hamstring, that was that took him out of the game yesterday. He did not play down the stretch in that game. Yeah, don't sleep and on that. And that might be, a, who knows, if it's if it's Adam Thielen's going to wind up missing a month plus with a hamstring. Mm-hmm. But do you think it's possible Xavier Rhodes could be benched or have his playing time drastically reduced coming out of the bye week? Yeah, I think it's possible. I think it's necessary. I just don't know if the head coach can bring himself to do it. Now, here's what I would do. Because you got to do something here. To me, you can't just... And and personally, I would play Hughes more because he's going to get picked on, but I think he can develop. It's a little bit of a risk, but I'll take it. The other thing I think that you have to do, if Harrison Smith comes back for the Seattle game, Anthony Harris, Harrison Smith are my safeties. I go back to... What I did through the first quarter of the season, which was got J. Ron Curse in the big nickel, and I would play J. Ron Curse more. That kid yesterday to me, look, he's not incredibly fast, but he's not slow. He's got skills, and and he is he to me fits the hybrid safety slash linebackers that are becoming more prevalent in this league now. I'm finding a way to come up with a package, and it might look unorthodox that gets J. Ron Curse in games more. Because Denver attacked him, and he held up really well. Yeah. I'm playing him. Everybody else who's been targeted repeatedly, and you can go down the list. It started with Rhodes. It went to Waynes. It went to Mike Hughes. I don't know that we've seen enough of Holton Hill to say that he's been targeted consistently, but yesterday we saw J. Ron Curse get targeted time and time and time again because I think the Broncos thought that there was a weakness there with Harrison Smith leaving and obviously a drop-off in talent when you bring when you bring that guy in, but he answered the call. And we have seen Xavier Rhodes not answer the call. We've seen Trey Waynes not answer the call. We've seen Mike Hughes not answer the call. And I don't know how much, when you have three guys who are struggling as bad as those three guys are, when they're targeted over and over and over again throughout a football game, I don't know how much you can scheme to cover up for that or to try and help those guys. When you have three guys on the field who are liabilities, the way that those three have looked like throughout the season, I don't know how much you can do scheme-wise to fix it. There's got to be something you do personnel-wise and who you're putting out there on the field to try and change the way that offenses are attacking your secondary. And I think the good news through all this is even if they can't find the fixes that get the defense back to where it was two years ago, when by most measurements it was the number one defense in the NFL, except for maybe takeaways, that was... was so the one thing that Mike Zimmer defenses have never been known for. Even if you can't get back to that level, I do think you can rest a little bit easier knowing that Kirk Cousins and the offense have taken some major steps in the last month. And to come back from down 20 to nothing, like your defense, I think the whole premise going into the season was your defense has to mostly hold serve all year and be almost perfect. And your offense just has to sort of just navigate, just Kirk, just manage. And now that we're 
you know, two thirds of the way into the season. I'm looking at this saying the ship has sailed on this defense being a top three defense. I think it's a top ten defense. I mean, I think I think the upside for this defense right now is like the eighth best defense in the NFL. But I would also say the upside for the offense is higher now than I would have thought two months ago. So if if you if you're looking at it as kind of a sliding scale, your defense to quarterback ratio, your defense to offense ratio, you've lost a little on the defensive side, but the the offense to me has gained some major major credibility in the last couple weeks specifically on the road against Dallas, second half against the Broncos. Yeah, I'm I'm just really curious to see this offense and team as a whole perform against a really good and by the way, well-coached team. Like the last two games, I'll say this. Dallas win, nice win, really nice win. But Jason Garrett, I thought, man, he's awful. And then I saw Vic Fangio, and I thought, Jason Garrett's not as bad as I thought. Dude, did, what was that play that Vic Fangio uh, challenged right before the two-minute warning? Was Ron, it pass interference? J-Ron Curse pass across the middle, to which Zimmer accurately said, I talked to the league office last week. I knew they wouldn't o- overturn that. How can you, knowing what the statistics are right now, how can you burn a timeout on that? I don't know... If the people in his replay booth were telling him this, but I'd fire him all today. Well, no, the timeout that he lost, yeah, by challenging it and losing the challenge, yep. he got back because they reset the clock to two oh one. So they got another two minute warning, and maybe that's what the people up in the booth were telling him. Like it's borderline. You're probably not going to win the replay, but the ball hit the ground at two oh one. So really, nothing to lose here. You're gonna get you're gonna get the clock to stop one more time anyway. But wouldn't you then rather just have like the clock stopping? And you control and the timeout. And I'd rather control that second timeout. Yeah. I guess like, I, I get your point, but I'd still rather. And by, but the statistics, the that would have to be Jaron Curse literally mugged the guy. You're not going to get that call. They're, they've made it very clear. Yeah, the DeAndre Hopkins play yesterday showed you. Okay, I mean, <laughs> yeah, literally getting spun around in the end. That's zone. another topic. They got to change that whole thing. When we come back, we're going to do a couple different things. We're going to talk to Tom Pelissero, our weekly NFL Insights discussion with Tom Pelissero from NFL Network, and he was on the field. He interviewed Stefan Diggs on the field after the game was over, so we'll get his perspective uh, when we come back. And we're going to bust out a pie chart of blame for Gophers, Iowa, on Whoa. Saturday. It's Mackie and Jeb with Rami on Score North and the Score North app. And my friends at Luther Brookdale Toyota, speaking of football, they're kicking off a holiday shopping season special. All kinds of great deals right now on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. First off, they're offering a Black Friday $500 trade-in bonus right now. Bring in your trade and get an additional $500 from Luther Brookdale Toyota. I have traded in a couple different vehicles over the years. Uh, and uh, I think it's, uh, it's there's there's no better way to get great value on your vehicle than bringing it in to Luther Brookdale Toyota. They also have 0% financing on all Highlanders. 2019 clearance is still going on. That means they're trying to get rid of the 2019s and give you good deals so they can make room for the 2020s. Tundras, Tacomas, Forerunners, RAV4s. They also have over 100 2019 Tundras uh, and Tacomas right now on the lot. So priced ready to move. Stop in. Open until 9 o'clock tonight. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Firm butt slap or soft one? TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. All right, welcome back. It is Mackie and Judd with Rami on Score North and the Score North mobile app. Uh, by the way, on the website, scorenorth.com, you can find all kinds of coverage off of yesterday's improbable Vikings comeback 20 to nothing at halftime. And it's the biggest comeback 
in uh, the last 27 years for the Minnesota Vikings. And on the field afterward, interviewing Stefan Diggs and uh, and taking it in for NFL Network was our friend Tom Pelissero. It's 5 o'clock every Monday, meeting Tom Pelissero's NFL Insight. So what, from your vantage point, is the Vikings continue to chip away in the second half against the Broncos and then culminating with uh, with your on-field discussion with Stefan Diggs. What were your observations, Tom? I mean, if Andrew Sandejo doesn't pick off that ball before halftime, I'm not sure that comeback happens. I mean, you that, that might be, and I, I talked to a bunch of players and others from the team after the game about this, that might be the NFL record for most things you can do wrong in an NFL game. <laughs> and still win an NFL game. I mean, just on special teams, they fumble the kickoff, they muff two punts, they take a penalty where they jump offside and give the other team a first down. Uh, they had a bunch of penalties you know, on, on defense as well. They jumped offside once there. Uh, something that was significant. Obviously, you had just coverage breakdowns in the early going. And offensively, they could not generate anything in the first half. I mean, you could see the frustration from... Diggs and others, and I don't know if it was shown on the broadcast, but when, when Cousins had the free play and checked it to the back, <laughs> Diggs was waving his arms over there because he's one-on-one. He's got a step. Uh, you you could sense it, absolutely. And you know, Talking to Diggs on the field after the game, he was hoarse. I'm not sure how much of that was from the yelling he did during the game or the yelling he was doing when they were coming back because once he caught that touchdown, he was, uh, he was pretty jacked up. But you know what? In the end, for the Vikings, there was always going to be that risk that this would be a letdown type of game, a trap type of game. They, they sure looked like it in the first half, but to come back, win that, and now be eight and three with three of your last five at home against the NFC North, they're they're sitting pretty. They just got a lot to clean up. So, Tom, how should Vikings fans feel about that game? Because to your point, that first half was brutal, off the charts, bad. But but then they come back in the second half, and Cousins plays well, and the play calling and schematics. Obviously, in the final two quarters, made perfect sense. If you're a Vikings fan, how do you sort of go about weighing what you saw in the first half versus the second and come out with with an opinion that is either really positive or sort of like, yeah, we got by, but barely? Well, one positive is just that they were able to adjust. They they did some things differently in the second half on both sides of the ball uh, and obviously made plays in a situation where, you know, bad teams are going to tank out there and not be able to come back. The Vikings found at least a way uh, to be able to claw their way back in. You know, it still took that goal line stand there, uh, the three straight plays. I don't know about everybody else, but I was I was walking onto the field after the game looking across at the far corner of the field at the officials because they didn't leave for a little bit, uh, you know, for a solid minute after the game, thinking, are they now going to have a flag thrown from New York for pass interference, because you can see Noah Fant's jersey getting stretched on that final play. Uh, it obviously didn't happen, but it, it took all that, you know, for them to be able just to to survive that game. You have to give credit to Vic Fangio and, and Rich Gangarello, who's the Broncos, uh, you know, offensive coordinator, his first job calling plays. They had a heck of a game plan. I mean, they were, you could tell from go, they were going to attack. They were going to push the ball down the field. They were going to test the Vikings secondary, where you had Sandejo making the start in place of Anthony Harris. You had... You know, they've obviously, you know, struggled to cover last week. You know, between Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant, they ran that play where Sutton threw the ball to Tim Patrick. I mean, they, they pulled out all the stops, and they hit on a lot of them. That's what it was going to take to beat the Vikings was chunk yardage plays. And, you know, to the Vikings' defense's credit, they limited those in the second half while the offense was doing its part to get them back in the game. It's it's evident, though, that that secondary, especially the cornerback position, is still very much a concern for, for the Vikings and Vikings fans at this point. Right, Tom? 
Well, you know, Xavier Rhodes is up and down. That, that's the biggest thing. He, he still can play. It's just a matter of any, you know, that matchup, too, you know, against a guy like Cortland Sutton, that should be where Rhodes is kind of at his best, where it's not a pure speed guy. It's a bigger receiver who you hope he can get his hands on and, and give him some trouble. I, I didn't think that they were, you know, terrible in that game yesterday. It was just a matter of, you know, being able to plug some of the leaks that they had. It's not like the pass rush was killing Brandon Allen in the first half either. you got a young quarterback who's using silent cadence under center, uh, and he's got time to throw. That's that's not a, a great recipe. Again, I think they had a, a good plan on the other side. Um, in two straight weeks now, you've seen, you know, teams have some success throwing the football on the Vikings, absolutely in the big picture, knowing what they got, in the, you know, after the bye here. They have to face Russell Wilson. They have to face uh, Aaron Rodgers. They have to face the Lions, although you may not have uh, Matthew Stafford. That's some teams that can uh, sling the football around. And yeah, the the rush, the the coverage and the rush have to fit together, and they got to do certainly the coverage part better. Tom Pilicero's NFL insights here on Mackie and Jeb with Rami Score North, Score North app, and ScoreNorth.com. So that was the first come from behind fourth quarter victory in Kirk Cousins' Vikings career. He had to come from behind tie against the Packers last year. But when you start to add up the things that Cousins has done since that Chicago game, uh, you're, you're, you've got a couple wins against quality opponents in there, you've got a primetime win against Dallas, and now you have a, a, a 20-0 deficit overcome and a big fourth-quarter comeback, and that was, that was all him in the second half. Uh, Stefan Diggs also with a couple big plays. But what, what, what has he shown you, I guess, and what has he shown uh, others around the league just in these last two weeks, Tom? You're talking about Cousins? Yes. Well, I mean, I think that he's he's the same Kirk Cousins that we've seen. I, I think that there's a you know kind of a micro focus on him, um, you know, relative to how he plays in certain situations. Now, the one throw that stands out to me, and this was probably a forgotten play uh, in that game, but when Cousins stands in on it was like third and fourteen, and he has uh, Tyler Conklin, uh, I believe it is number eighty three coming across a crossing route he also has the back in the flat if you were playing scared at that point or just playing like you know the stuff that cousins always gets criticized for not taking chances you're coming out to the back hoping he can break a tackle you're getting six yards you're getting booed off the field he rears back and he fires that thing in there into a, a decently small window that ended up being a, a big play for them i mean throws like that uh, the way that cousins can stand in there and do that he's he's capable of that that's what we've seen uh, the fact that he has done that and consistently made enough plays, you know, it's like I talked to Diggs on Friday about a whole bunch of stuff, but he was, you know, talking about Cousins and you know, basically what he said was, you know, it's proven the doubters wrong. That that's going to be a week to week thing. We we've seen Kirk play really good football. Dalvin Cook told me, you know, he's not a wow quarterback. He's just a guy who puts you in position to win games. I mean, he's never going to be a Russell Wilson type of highlight machine, but he's he's going to make enough plays for you to win. The Vikings just they're always going to be a team that needs to run the football and play good defense. They weren't doing either of those things in the first half. Cousins could have played better, too, but you know it's dangerous to start just going, well, if the Vikings win, Cousins played well. If they lost, he played poorly. Maybe this is just what he is. He's a pretty darn good quarterback who needs help around him in order to uh, to keep winning in the NFL. Tom, explain to me, why, with no timeouts left and the clock winding down and 10 seconds left, 
Zim would call t- a timeout, which to me seemingly gave Denver at least one, if not two more plays there. And the key thing there was the Broncos offense. I don't know if they weren't aware that they were out of timeouts or what, but they weren't exactly operating at a high efficiency. And I know that Mike said he basically didn't like the look or potentially what he saw. But that being said, that would, to me was a very curious and could have been costly decision by the Vikings coach. Well, you're not the only one who was asking that question for sure, especially with how everything played out there. And it was tough to tell because they were in, you know, a, a semi hurry up type of situation. So, yeah, it was unusual. I mean, they, the best thing you can say for that decision is it didn't end up costing them uh, the game. You know, you're, what you're trying to avoid in that situation is the big play. And if he saw something that suggested that the Broncos had a chance uh, to make a big play down the field, that's tough to blame them. Tom Pelissero of NFL Network providing his NFL insights as he does every Monday at this time on Mackey and Judd with Rami. What did you make of what transpired on the Bears' sideline last night in Los Angeles with Mitchell Trubisky getting benched or being injured in, in the final two minutes? A lot of people not buying that there was an injury because he wasn't on the injury report coming into the game, at least not with the hip, and no doctors or anybody seemingly talked to him on the sidelines before Matt Nagy made the choice to pull him out. What was your take on this whole thing? Well, I was only catching bits and pieces because I was on a plane to Pittsburgh where I am now. But certainly to look at Nagy's explanation after the game and then again today, it sounds like he he took a shot on the hip in the second quarter on a sack. That's where it came from. It wasn't an existing injury. Now, in terms of you know interaction on the sideline and all that, um, you know that's that'd be tough to read into, especially because it's a hip. It's not like we're saying he broke his wrist and nobody noticed. The hip can just be, you know, you're you're feeling something in there. There's not a whole lot that you're going to necessarily be doing on the sideline. You know, Trubisky's another guy who's got a, a target on his back all the time. To this point, the Bears have not shown any desire or urge to, um, you know, to move on to Chase Daniel, and, and you get that. I mean, they drafted him number two overall a few years ago. They traded up to get him. Chase Daniel is, is what he is. He's a career backup uh, type of quarterback in the NFL, albeit one who has played decently in spots and made himself a uh, you know a whole lot of money. Uh, but they've they've seen Trubisky play good football. They're trying to get back to that, and for whatever reason, the Bears have just not been able to capture what they were a year ago. I mean, they have tried a lot of things. They have shuffled the offensive line. They've of course you know gotten some guys back healthy. They haven't been able to run the football. They didn't have David Montgomery last night. I'm sure that didn't help them either. But yeah, I mean that's. You know, add Trubisky and the Bears to one of those many quarterback situations we're going to talk about in the offseason. It seems like half the league uh, has uncertainty at that position. They continue to say Trubisky's their guy. You watch teammates and the way that they interact with him. Uh, you can see that there's a buy-in there that he hasn't, you know, he hasn't lost the locker room at this point. But at some point, if you don't have more productivity on offense, there's no other position where a change is going to create a sea change for how you're playing. And so, like anybody else, he's... He's going to put himself in a position where if it's not working, uh, they may you know feel like they've got no choice. Rami, as Sam Cook once said, a change is going to come. A change is going to come. Thank you, Phil. It's going to be okay for you guys. Thanks, Phil. Yep, this offseason. I'm not so sure. Yeah. I think this might be a disaster. <laughs> Tom Pelissero from NFL Network. You're in Pittsburgh right now. Where can people find you on NFL Network tonight and, uh, and, and the rest of the week? Well, I'm going to be underground the next couple of days. Top secret project uh, that you'll see more from by the end of the week. Uh, And then I will be back on Steelers duty Sunday in Cincinnati. Two trips to see the winless Bengals in a single month. Lucky, uh, lucky guy. What did you do wrong? (laughs) Who's mad at you? (laughs) I I literally sent that text to somebody when they told me what game I had. I was just like, did I I upset someone? Who is it? How do I? (laughs) Tom, you're not fired. 
You're not you're not <laughs> fire, but you're covering the Bengals now. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> hey, I'll say this: I'm not I'm not making fun of the Bengals. There's a lot of good people there. I really like that locker room. They got just good dudes in that locker room. Um, but yes, that's uh, they're fighting for their lives, man, over there. So we'll see what the and the Steelers are still in the playoff picture despite everything that's happened. It'll be interesting. Yeah, that is Tom Pelissero's NFL insights every single Monday at five o'clock. We'll talk again next week. All right. Thanks, All right. And you can follow Tom Pelissero on Twitter, too, just at Tom Pelissero. And we're going to keep it right here. And if you're wondering, oh, this uh, Mackie and Joe with Rami sounds a little bit different. Starting today, we're giving you, on Purple Daily and Mackie and Joe with Rami, we're giving you 25 minutes of talk twice an hour. And uh, we're doing that from 2 o'clock all the way through the end of Mackie and Joe with Rami here, for sure, throughout the duration of football. So you're never going to be without 25 minutes of Purple between 2 and 4 with Matthew Collar and his contributors. And you're never going to be without 25 minutes of chain restaurant hot takes and whatever else we dive into here on Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Uh, the other thing that happened football-related this weekend is something we haven't talked about yet on the show today. You know, I told our team I'd take 100% full responsibility of this loss. And I know there's a lot of plays, however many plays we played, but the head coach always looks at how you can help your team win and how you can help your team lose. But I said I'd do it all over again. I was told I ran on the field too fast. I get that, but I didn't know when there's a red light and a green light to tell us when we can go on the field. The whistle blew, the play's over. My player's laying motionless on the ground. We as coaches get criticized when we don't. We don't show enough compassion to somebody that's hurt. The play was over, motionless player on the ground, and I run on the field to go make sure my player is okay, one, and then two, to make sure that he can't stay in the game. So that was just one of many things, the 15-yard penalty that P.J. Fleck took for running out on the field to check on wide receiver uh, Tyler Johnson. One of many things you could point to in the game that the Gophers would like to do differently. And so let's tee Judd up here, Rami Makhlouf, for his patented pie chart of blame for the Gophers lost against Iowa on Saturday. How many pieces of pie, Judd Zolget, are you slicing? I'm slicing four pieces of pie. I'm okay. slicing four pieces of pie, and I might be making a mistake because I'm not slicing a defensive one. But I found four areas. No pie for the defense. I didn't. No, I didn't give. Huh. And, and I'm not saying I'm right there. I might be wrong there. But I'm slicing this into four slices. Now, do you want me to start from the biggest slice or the smallest slice? I think the smallest slice. Yeah, let's first. start let's, smallest slice. Okay. Let's work our way. This is tough to do, but this play was absolutely crucial. And this kid, one can catch this ball, and two ordinarily does. Tyler Johnson, 10%, which I consider a small slice, but but the play that Fleck is getting is talking about that he got blown up on before he got blown up was a catchable ball. Tanner Morgan threw a nice ball. If that's completed, this is a tight game. It's different. So that that's a pass that Tyler Johnson, it feels like, dropped quite a bit in 2018. But between he and Bateman until, until Saturday, Saturday, they hadn't dropped passes. Now, Bateman had a key drop as well. So perhaps I should just give them each 5%. Hey, before you move on to the other chunks of pie here, what I don't understand about that sequence, because it wound up being offsetting 15-yard penalties. Yes. So they said the first penalty, because so the reason why P.J. Flex 15-yard penalty actually wasn't as big of a deal right, is because it had been ruled that the original penalty for Iowa was after the play was over, yep. they flagged Iowa 15 yards for unsportsmanlike conduct. Correct. But if, the, if that flag, and so basically er, everything that was flagged was after the possession had changed, and so it really it came down to would Iowa have started a little bit closer to their own goal line? It was a field position thing. That, they would have started at the, the 7 instead of the, the, I think the, the 22. The penalty on Iowa would have taken them halfway to the goal line. But why was that, if it's a late hit, why would it be after the play? 
if it's a late hit, it should have been a 15-yard penalty or half the distance to the goal for the Gophers in a first down. Because Did they screw that up? No, no, no. In in college, at least, the explanation that they gave a few times was because he dropped the ball, so the play is dead, and then he gets hit, it's not part of the play. Hmm. So if he gets hit as part of the play, first down Gophers. But because he got hit after the ball had hit the ground and the play was technically dead, the explanation... I'm not saying because I didn't know this going into Saturday. The explanation given on TV and that I saw was the play is killed. It's a penalty, but it's after the fact. Are you asking why they weren't offsetting penalties and they didn't replay the down? No, I'm asking why if I'm asking why the the first penalty, which sort of triggered the chain of events, yeah, why the first penalty wasn't part of the play, the fourth down play. So, like, if I if I face mask you, that's part part of the play. It's it's a 15 yard penalty. But if I hit you late, they're saying it's not part of the play. Correct. It was after the play, and it was fourth down, so that means it's after a fourth down play and a change of possession. Oh, so they don't get to replay the down. Right. right. Okay. Um, so so yeah, if, 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 if it was an on-the-play situation and P.J. Flex penalty then negated that 15-yard penalty by Iowa, then they would have just replayed fourth down, and right. the Gophers would have had a second chance to score. Right. Or if he just doesn't walk on the field in the first place. Right. But and I did think he ran onto the field aggressively, and yeah. I, I believe the explanation that he gave after the game that we just heard there. But if I'm a referee, that's how I read it: that this is a pissed off coach running onto the field and getting in the middle of what's already kind of a chaotic situation. Because there was yeah. there were Minnesota players not happy with the hit, and there was just a little bit of pushing and shoving and interaction between the two teams. And it looked at the moment to me like PJ Fleck was running in to get in the middle of all that, and you have to call a penalty. And you know what? If you're a referee in that situation, and I don't disagree. I think if if you're a ref, I, I don't think you can leave it to the refs to wonder why you're running on the field in that spot. So I, I and I, but I also hear PJ say. So my initial thought, having just watched every game he's coached so far, and just like I, I'm a PJ Fleck guy, having studied PJ Fleck apparently, um, I my initial thought was. Oh, wide receiver got his bell rung. He always runs on the field when guys are hurt. He's running on the field to go see if Johnson's okay. And I take him at his word for it, but also, I don't know. I feel like that's just such a big spot, and there's already flags on the field. And by the way, earlier in that, P.J. Fleck needs to chill the hell out because he very easily could have gotten a a personal foul earlier in the first half when he shoved a referee. Did you see that? Yeah, he did. He shoved a referee. Off a spot, right? Yeah. He didn't like the spot. And it looked like a... He grabbed him. It looked like a, like the referee told him something, and he was like, "All right, go you know go go take care of that." But it shoved a referee in the shoulder right. earlier in the half. PJ Fleck, like I get it, dude. You're amped up. You're high energy. The kids respond to that. I'm not asking him to change, but dude, you need to chill the hell out a little bit before you start costing your team 15 yards here and there. And you you also can't preach to your players to be smart right. and then do that. Right, like that doesn't work. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. All right, Judd. You, you got 10, 10% right. to... 10%. I hate to do this, and I'm going to generalize here, but poor freshman kicker, I believe, Brock Walker, and the kicking game get 20%. You're giving that kid... I, I would put that on P.J. Fleck. Okay. Why are you having somebody, that kid kick a 50... And I love P.J. No, Fleck but, again, but why are you having that kid kick that, a 50-yard field goal? But, but the, the field goal that they kicked at the end of the first half, doinked in barely. Yeah, he made it. He missed the extra point, 20%. I'm giving him 20%. 25% the run game. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Iowa's really good, but to be efficient for this team, yeah, the pass is great, but the run game sort of has to work. Yeah, It didn't work. 
So 25% falls on, on the fact that Iowa definitely one-upped you in the run game. And that leaves 45% for what Rami brought up, P.J. Fleck and coaching. And I can go through a list here quickly. Yeah, of, I've of got things on mine, too. That I wrote on scorenorth.com on Saturday immediately after the game. And it goes well beyond going onto the field, which I... which. Yes, it didn't cost the Gophers directly at that moment. It did cost them field position, but to me, just lacked a certain discipline that a coach has to have. The decision to kick the field goal that I'm talking about near the end of the first half. You're down by 17. You're at the two yard line. Okay, your 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 offense is still really good. Go for the go for it. Oh, so you're okay. So I'm you're saying, saying with go, four with four seconds yes, left, you're going at the for two it. Yard, I'm going for it. Whew. I'm getting the touchdown. I'm going. I'm saying. Because, one, the kicker barely made that. So you're not ultimately confident. I would, it's but, a freshman. I think, but I think that conversation... So I, I would have kicked the field goal. But, so I think the conversation has to start with, it's a guaranteed make. And he made it. it he made <laughs> but it. But it wasn't a guaranteed make. He, but it should be it. a guaranteed make. So I think you're yeah. making the decision based on guaranteed make or... I'm pounding the rock in. Here's my question. Can you, because there's four seconds left, can you run a play... Yep. And still leave one second left if you'd miss it. Can you run a quick slant or something? I'm sure you Because I would have, my thought was try to run a play that takes three seconds, but then again, you're dealing with an Iowa clock operator too, and they probably let it run Are you down. You're saying there's shenanigans? For sure in college stadiums. For sure. <laughs> that, that, on the list of things that PJ Fleck could have done differently, that wasn't quite high on my list. But All keep right. Keep going. Down by 10 points with 3.30 left in the final quarter when the play clock runs too far down and they burn what is a precious timeout. That's a huge one. That leaves you with only one touch to, or only one t- timeout left. Rodney Smith then scores on a one-yard run. That's when Brock Walker then comes on. The poor kid misses the extra point. But that burning of a time, that can't happen. That, Again, discipline. That is, that's something, Rami, I've spent years talking about this type of stuff. Like, I am not qualified to coach football. Mm-hmm. I quit football because there was too much running in eighth grade. He okay? played Madden. He is qualified. But too I much played running? It wasn't even like the hitting? It was the running. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Tough little guy. Just a lot there. of running. Just Why too much running. Not a cardio guy. <laughs> Why didn't you just play O line or D line? They never make those guys run. No, they made us run. Did I, they really? I played some like tight end and O line. It was the bad. only running I did as as a lineman was just warm ups. Yeah. Like just get warmed up, guys. Go jog around the field. And then yeah. it was like move heavy objects. So hit I, people, lift I, weights. I, I was at the wrong school. I wasn't moving heavy <laughs> objects. Those <laughs> transfer. I wasn't doing the cardio. But you know what? I was playing football video games for fifteen years, yep. and I can tell you. In that spot, when you're losing and it's late and you're not guaranteed to get the ball back with a lot of time left on the clock, the timeout and the 40 seconds you save is way more important than the five yards from the one to the five. And that bothered me because it set them up. when they, So now, two and a half minutes to go, they burn a timeout because they can't get a play call in, right? I would have taken the five yards. And he, by the way, he brought this up and said, I'd rather take the timeout than the five yards. It's the other way around for me. Because you can still score pretty easily from the five yard line, and even if you don't, like you, st- it's equally important to leave time on the clock and have timeouts. Like you need those things just as much as you need a touchdown if you want to win the game. So what happens is they have one timeout left now, two and a half minutes, and and they feel like they're forced to have to kick an onside kick, thus give up like thirty or forty yards in field position, or maybe thirty yards. So if they if they save the timeout and they still score from the five yard line, they probably can kick off. And well, that, yeah, that's another great point though, because it also the onside kick with three twenty six left bugged me too. Kick off, but they're more likely to kick off if they have the second sure, timeout. That's a great point. So it's all a chain. But of, the whole but the whole thing 
all of that bugged me. Yes. Like coaching-wise. P- P.J. Fleck has a lot of amazing qualities as a coach, and he's built this thing up, and we're this is some tough love so they can go win the next two games, in my mind anyways. But <laughs> Judd doesn't care about that. But, <laughs> but oh, that Wisconsin which is going to be fun. It is. But do we have a luxury suite for that again? Yeah, we can finagle one. We'll right. see. Well, good luck with that. But <laughs> they want the Penn State suite back, and I don't blame them. But flex timeout usage is like like you need go watch a Patriots game. They don't they don't take timeouts un, unless it's like strategically to preserve time late in the game. Yes, that's what timeouts are are for. Not because you can't get a play call exactly. in, because you, like you need Plan B for that stuff. You're right. Anyways, agree. Is that your list? Yep. That's yeah. that's my list. Hey, while so. we're on the subject of pie, did you guys see? You know these maps that end up on Twitter sometimes? It's hard to tell which ones are real and which ones are, are just to troll us. Yeah. And they show, like, what's popular in this region and what's popular in that region. There's one going around Twitter today about your favorite Thanksgiving Day pie. And across the upper Midwest. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Across the upper Midwest, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan. They are claiming, and this could be totally made up, just to troll and get the type of reaction they're getting from me right now. That coconut cream pie is the favorite Thanksgiving Day pie? In Minnesota? Minnesota, the no. Dakotas, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Pecan is in the mix. For the Pumpkin's record, in the mix. I love coconut cream pie. Absolutely love it. I enjoy it, too, but it's not. It's a niche pie. Yeah. It's a niche it's pie. It's a niche pie at best. For especially hockey, right? not on Thanksgiving. It's a niche pie. It's not in What'd season. <laughs> it's hockey, basically. Yeah, it's a hockey. It's hockey. It's yeah. the hockey of pies. <laughs> I would say it's more like the lacrosse of pie. And this has got to be made up because in none now, of the regions, <laughs> in none of the regions, are they saying apple or pumpkin? Apple overrated massively. What? And pumpkins also. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, no, no, no. Judd, apple, stop. Apple pie stop. is indigestion on a plate. Sure, indigestion. This is, as, opposed, as opposed to all the other things you just ate on Thanksgiving? <laughs> yeah, that's... No, I'm telling you, apple pie... How do you know the apple pie did it? The apple pie always does it. The apple pie is indigestion on a plate. I get indigestion every time I eat apple pie, large sample size, I know. I feel like you have to isolate the apple pie from like the greasy uh, like patty melt that you probably had no, five minutes before. No, it's not a greasy patty melt. No, 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 no. It is apple pie and pumpkin pie overrated. I think we need pie. I think we need apple pie. We might have to take this to Twitter. Do it. I was thinking about about making a a Thanksgiving Day table tournament and having four categories: main course, dessert, and then I think we need two side dish brackets because there are that many good side dishes on Thanksgiving. Put this together. I will. We'll do this. We'll do this for sure. All right. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Score North and the Score North app. And when we come back, the Vikings with an amazing comeback win yesterday. Full coverage on ScoreNorth.com. Down 20 to nothing, but plenty to nitpick. It's our weekly Vikings and broadcast nitpicks when we come back. Jonathan here with the Score North download. You can listen to Score North with Amazon Alexa. Just say, Alexa, open Score North, and you'll hear the soothing sounds of Purple Daily, Mackie and Judd with Rami, and much, much more. Just say, Alexa, open Score North. After his team's come-from-behind victory yesterday, Mike Zimmer took to the podium today and... Talked about what he learned about his team after that win. Tells you two things, really. If we wait to flip the switch, we're not going to win many of these games. But if we play like we can play and we use the competitiveness and the fight and the toughness and the intelligence that we mostly played with in the second half, we can win a lot of games. Seems simple enough. Vikings fans, let us know over at Score North on Twitter, at SKOR North on Twitter, what you learned about the Vikings after that big comfort behind victory by your Vikings yesterday. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Rami. Kirk Cousins, end zone, touchdown! 
Irv Smith, the rookie from Alabama, with his first NFL touchdown. Second down goal, Cook, with a block by Rudolph and into the end zone for a Viking touchdown. First and ten, it's Cousin, and he'll throw, and he's got Rudolph, and he's got an open path to the end zone. Minnesota's got their first lead on a 36-yard touchdown pass. Cousins to Rudolph. All right, so a lot of good things yesterday in the second half. Obviously, the Vikings come back from down 20 to nothing to win the game. Kirk Cousins with his first Vikings uniform, anyways, uh, come from behind fourth quarter win in his in his career, and uh, everything ends on a high note. But that's not what this segment's for. This segment's for nitpicks. Every week here at five thirty on Mackie and Joe with Rami, we go through the, our nitpicks not only from the game but nitpicks from maybe the broadcast or. The TV setup. So let's start with Joe. We'll go around the room here. What did you guys? There's a lot to pick from in that first half. A lot of things we haven't gotten to on the show today. But uh, what were your main nitpicks? Let's just uh, let's go around the room. Here. Okay, I've got I've got three, and I'm actually going to start with with an, another timeout decision that I completely don't. This get. This was on my list too. All right. We're talking about the same and, timeout. And, I think and, we, and before Jed even says it, I disagree with both of you. All right. So explain this to me. <laughs> so the Broncos, the Broncos quarterback. I think it was third down, right? Gets a first down deep in, in Vikings territory right before that last series of plays. Yeah. And the clock started at 33, if I'm not mistaken. Clock was ticking. And then it's clocking at, and ticking at 10. And the Broncos quarterback, Brandon Allen, did not seem to have the sense of urgency that if I'm a Broncos fan, I want to see. He like gets up and I'm thinking, you got to run back and spike that ball. And he like gets up and starts to go back to the line of scrimmage. And I'm like, that's weird. And then the clock stops. Mike Zimmer has called a timeout with 10 seconds left and explained it by saying that he didn't like the look or yes. what he had seen or blah, blah, blah. But the fact is it gave Denver at least one more, if not two plays, because they ran three plays then subsequently. I'm confused by that timeout. So I actually I actually don't think, well, I think it was a great timeout. And and here's why I think that. And Mike, it sounds like Mike Zimmer explained it in sort of the way that I will. The clock was ticking down. And the Vikings didn't, the Vikings clearly didn't think that the Broncos were going to spike the ball. I think anyone who assumes that, well, they were just going to spike the ball, let them spike the ball, kill it down. And then I don't think it was guaranteed that they were going to spike the ball. So what Zimmer, and, and whether this was a conscious decision or if he lucked out, he didn't call timeout right away. He waited until they got up to the line of scrimmage and it became more obvious. No, they're going to run a play right now. And then he called timeout within a second or two before they were going to snap the ball to get his ducks in a row defensively. I think what he wanted to guard against was, well, if they're going to run a play here, we don't want to get surprised. And if there's any kind of miscommunication, they ran the clock down to 10. They were about to snap the ball. So it wasn't like, I don't think you saved the Broncos a bunch of time there. You made it, you may have saved the Broncos like a second or two. So, So I guess maybe you saved them a play, maybe, but I would rather in that situation, I would rather err on the side of, Get your defense in a row, your defensive ducks in a row against a rookie quarterback, then allow the Broncos to ambush you and, and surprise attack you. And now you have no, no, oh my God, we forgot to cover the fullback or something. Like I see both sides of it, but I, I think I agree with Judd on this one. And, and you also gave him an extra play. 
by calling that time out I don't, there. I don't know if you did, though. That's part of my argument is I don't know if you did. I think they waited till the absolute last, right before they were going to snap I it. I agree to with you that, that if you were going to call it, it's smart to wait and call it when he did, but you might have given them an extra play and an extra shot at the end zone. If that, and that might have ended up costing you the football game. If that's a veteran QB, I, I might agree much more with you, Phil, but it's a rookie, and there's 10 seconds left, and he was not operating... He got hit, got up, and and he's got to operate quicker, and he's not. So that clock's ticking, and they've got no timeouts left, which, by the way, shame on them. I'm going to let him run that play and trust my defense at that point in time. Yeah. Because I think they get one or two more plays in, and that's it. But they had time then to regroup. I just... The Broncos' management of that game and clock in the second half, you guys, was to me beyond stupid. And so I'm going to use that, if I'm the Vikings, to my advantage, which is allowing that clock to continue to tick down. Come on! Football! All right, Rami. Nitpick time. <laughs> you realize that the, the Vikings now rank 30th in QBR allowed on deep passes? <clears throat> Whoa. <clears throat> 97 is quarterback rating on deep passes against this Vikings secondary. <clears throat> on Sunday... The Broncos hit. And this is really hard for any quarterback. Brandon Allen should not be able to do this to you. Their first five deep attempts for 189 yards. What? Five straight Ronnie, deep attempts. The wide receiver hit, yeah. hit one of those. For 189 yards. The wide receiver beat one of which Yes. It wasn't of, even Brandon Allen. Yes. which One of which was thrown oh. by a wide receiver. And Wayne's, <laughs> Wayne's and Ro, I remember specifically in the first half, Wayne's and Rhodes both had long passes where they were right there. Yes. They were step for step. They had their hands flailing in the air like the inflatable tube guy outside of a car dealership, Mm -hmm. and yet somehow the ball falls into the Bronco receiver's hands every single time. That is remarkable for any quarterback to complete five (laughs) straight deep passes for 189 yards. For Brandon Allen to do that, that's a phenomena. Yes. That's what that is right there. Football! All right. I probably have three or four nitpicks. We can keep going around the room here, but as much as he rose up and... He completed a big-time comeback, and he deserves all kinds of praise. My guy. My guy, Kirk Cousins now. My guy, Andrew Wiggins. My guy, wow. Kirk Cousins. Look at okay. you. Wow. My Look guy, Kirk Cousins. Drove me crazy in the first half and drove Stefan Diggs crazy. When on a free play. Yes, I got this in my notes. He checks down to C.J. Ham. I know. I think this is in all play. our notes. What are you doing? How do you do that? Well, and if they and Diggs, had lost the game, Diggs this would be a major... This like would have been the microcosm if they had lost that game. Like, dude, what are you doing? But he made up for it, so it's a cliff note instead of a headline. But, I mean, did he not know it was a free play? You know the what? flag was thrown right in front of him. We didn't ask him, but we should have. I Nobody asked him that I, after the game? No, I forgot. I mean, by that point, it was such a, you know... That's true. He'd played so but well it's in a, the second It's half. a legit question, and because he had to not know, right? That's the, only, a, that's the only like, explanation. There's no way that a quarterback who has any sense at all would be free play. CJ, yeah. check down to the fullback. That's the first thing I'm going to do on a free play. That's a great one. <laughs> check down to the fullback. That's a great Come one. On. Football. All right, nitpicks continued. Nitpick that worked out for the Vikings perfectly, but I don't think what was done is legal, and I don't get it. Broncos kick a field goal. The Vikings are called for an illegal formation, which, by the way, was a bad call that I believe they thought that the Vikings defender was head up on the, the long snapper. He was not. They throw the flag. 
it was fourth and four. So it's now first down Broncos with the ball instead of three points. Zimmer goes crazy. They show it on the Jumbotron very wisely a bunch of times. Zimmer's pointing. The referees actually look up at the Jumbotron. The next thing you know, they pick up the flag. They don't really even make an announcement. They just pick up the flag and say, it's a field goal Is now. it even allowed? Like, and I thought Mike the refs weren't even allowed to look at the jumbo And drive. Zimmer was asked about that post game, and Mike said himself, I think they did something that they can't do. I'm glad they did. Yeah. But it's a nitpick that we follow a league that has all of these intricate rules, and the rule book's huge, and blah, 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 blah. But they looked up at the jumbo trying and basically said, ah, you know what, we're wrong. That's Which, okay, it's great you got it right, but it's also, if it goes against your team, is a very weird dynamic right. that these officials just decided to pick it up. Real quick, honorable mentions for nitpicks in that game yesterday. Football! Honorable mention for Eric Wilson jumping offsides on a punt yeah. early in the third quarter when it was 20-7. to I forgot all about that. that was Good bad. God, it, man. It led to Denver milking four and a half minutes off the clock and getting three more points. Just, dude, just... Just relax. That could have cost him the game. Yeah, 100%. How about Mike Hughes with Something two... as innocuous as an offsides could have cost him the game in the end. Mike Hughes, two muff pumps. Uh, Abdullah, a fumbled kickoff. Yeah, four by, total fumbles. By the grace of God, the quarterback then throws that pass to Sandejo in double coverage. But well, By the um, grace of God, they went all, all out on that play. But, they went empty backfields. I know, but it was crazy. Like, like a field goal would have made it four scores. Why, why wouldn't you just take the three points? I don't know. Yeah. Like so, that, that was first down too. Yeah. So those are your Vikings nitpicks for the week. Uh, let's uh, let's get Pat in here. We wrap with Royce every day, uh, Mackie and Jeb with Rami and Pat. I think my Mount Rushmore for great all time comeback quarterbacks: John Elway, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, and now my guy Kirk Cousins is on that list. You don't remember Tommy Kramer? Uh, that uh, great two minute Tommy. When he was a rookie, uh, and uh, Francis didn't hope he brought him back from I don't know how far down in the second half, but that was a, that was a great comeback. I just want to say one thing though, uh, Randy's uh, stud stable. <laughs> I'd have to. I got an argument with Abdullah. I don't. I don't think what he contributed yesterday was worthy of stud designation. Not a, who are you? Not who are you to question Randy? <laughs> I'm just, I just, I normally I agree with him, and I certainly, as a listener, would have liked to hear his litany of defenders who deserved it. But uh, you guys got him off, so it's only a two-hour show, Pat. <laughs> I, I know he already had ten, eleven guys on deep on offense, but uh, Abdullah kickoff on a seventeen. I got a hard time getting over that one. So. Uh, well, that's. Uh, I think that yesterday was a classic example of. A lot of human uh, factors in play. You probably book and travel for your family. You got bookend games against the Cowboys and the and the Seattle Seahawks. It's just the Broncos. It's a home game. You can. Uh, you sound like the defense attorney for David Berkowitz here. <laughs> I'm just saying. Son of Sam, you know he's a lot of traffic out front. You know. It's- City's getting congested. They keep parking out in the street, necking and uh, doing other things. Somebody's got to clean up the mess. You know, <laughs> I think you're being a little too. I think you're being a little too kind uh, to that first half performance. In fact, what astounded me the most about the second half comeback is how absolutely putrid they were in the first half. That they could flip the switch and play like that is pretty remarkable because there, it was almost you would have almost had to plan it just stink as much as they did in the first half with the the mistakes to go with the uh, you know just general complete ineptitude how many plays did they run the first half about 18 18 19 something like that it was like 23 they plays were, yeah 
they were just awful, and then all of a sudden they come out and play great. It was uh, very odd. You don't see that often. I mean, they're, the clunkers they've had in the past in there, uh, the, the the famous Baltimore clunker that they had, and then the uh, the clunker against Buffalo, they have pretty much stayed clunkers, but uh, this was an astounding comeback, that's for sure. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, your thoughts on, on the Gophers, Hawkeyes, and P.J. Fleck uh, darting onto the field on Saturday, Patrick? Well, you know, he was looking for attention, as always, and he ran out there and it cost him 15 yards. So instead of starting at the 7, they started to uh, have an Iowa start at the 7. They started at the 22, and that wasn't good because they had uh, – I, I would think of Iowa, the way they the way the game was going against them, had to start inside their 10. They would have been a little nervous about what was going to happen. They were nervous at the end anyway. But, uh, you know, I, I don't buy the uh, – he was three feet off the sideline, and Tyler Johnson was already standing up. So I, I don't know where the hell he was going. I think he was just trying to make a show of himself, like always. I mean, I think it's amazing that we've gotten to the point where opposing teams are now storming the field after beating the Gophers. That was my main takeaway from too. Saturday. I, 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 I always thought that the uh, lowest moment in Gopher history was when they stormed the field after they beat that bad Iowa team. Remember what yeah. year was that? Uh, what when was it? That was before. Uh, that was well before PJ. That might have been. Was that right at the end of Kill's first year or something? Remember? I think it was. Kill, it was one of Kill's first big wins, wasn't it? Well, yeah, it was against a bad Iowa team, one of the worst teams Ference has ever had. Yeah. And now there wasn't an, actually a mob to run, but. Uh, yeah, when you're a three-point favorite, you're not allowed to jump on the field and uh, and, uh, and storm the field when you're expected to win. So uh, uh, that's another amazing thing about that game. Iowa covered. <laughs> oh my gosh! And some yards, but they ended up covering because of that missed extra point. So how come they don't have a kicker? I mean, I watched St. John's earlier this year. They couldn't kick a field goal, that extra point, to save their lives. The Bears have auditioned 25 guys and they come up with some clown who can't make a field goal. And now the Gophers, how did they not have a kicker? Their they kicker's like hurt. Six of them He's hurt, right? Well, Their main guy? Well, supposedly the, the there's two versions. There's also the version that this they this guy beat him out in practice last week. I don't know. Ooh. But I, I get a kicker. You know, what the hell? I mean, you need a kicker. That uh, that was not good, to say the least. I, I suppose right before the whole Tyler Johnson, uh, P.J. episode, if they trusted the kicker, they would have kicked the, kicked the field goal, right? You would Just think so. 20, yeah. 20 to 16, end of the third quarter. It was a pretty much a chip shot, and they went for it on fourth and four at the 14, I believe. So, uh, yeah, I thought kickers were getting better in this day and age no, of football. They're awful now. I think it's worse than ever. I don't know what's going on. It doesn't make any sense. The NFL, Pat. it's bad. I, I think because it's the only position where, like, most positions in football, you can get faster and bigger and stronger, and like, you yeah. evolve, right? And, and 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 kicker is more. You're you're basically a golfer in a football uniform, and there's more pressure yeah. now than ever before, and scrutiny. You know how uh, you know how youth of America, they uh, you know got them taking steroids at ten or eleven and twelve or something like that, get they them do? all built up. I think we're going to have to start getting guys, kids that. We're going to sacrifice a half a foot. We're going to have them chop off half their foot, and then they can kick them straight ahead like they used to, like Tom Dempsey would make, uh, make 60 yarders. That's my theory. To, to make them in the NFL, we're going to have to mutilate them. 
<laughs> you want to go back to the Dan Meyer, the Dan Meyer days, the straight on yeah, guy? Well, right there, you know, right, think how strong Betsy's foot was, because yep. it's kind of right right above that arch, so you just got a brick there right after Google that. Google a shoe. And boom, oh, I've seen it, just yeah. go, just, uh, just absolutely smack it. Now, it is amazing when you look back at the straight-ahead kicker, so... We love Freddie Cox. We revere Freddie Cox. <laughs> he made about half of them. Yes. <laughs> he made maybe half. Kicking, you know? sta- kicking stats from early. We did this one time on the kicking stats are hilarious <laughs> from Jan back in the day. Jan was not nearly as good as I thought. Uh, kicking stats, though, and quarterback stats are both like astounding when you look back. <laughs> hey, Fran, one of the all-time greats, except for that year he threw 32 interceptions. Yeah. <laughs> most of which were on eight-yard passes. Yeah, it's, uh, well, called for it's, job. Uh, it's amazing the standard we used to apply to quarterbacks and what we apply now. If he gets blindsided and somebody hits him in the chin and knocks the ball loose and he fumbles, we're mad at him. He's a fumbler. He's a fumbler. You know? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, if he's getting murdered you know, by these monsters that are chasing him. Yeah, the Bears... Uh... I don't know who their kicker was, but in 19... I just pulled up a random year. In 1963, the Bears had a kicker go 14 of 33. Wrigley <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Field is tough kicker. 50, they didn't drive 50 yarders then. You know, they tried. If it was outside the 40, they didn't try it. They went for it. They, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was... Uh, well, we, I think Bud was the last... Because uh, Dan Meyer might have been... No, Mark Mosley was. But yep. Matt, Matt, Dan Meyer was one of the last uh, straight ahead kickers. Uh, we we I don't think Bud trusted those sidewinders uh, uh, too early in his life. I don't, I don't think he didn't he didn't know about that. But uh, yeah, now of course it's it is astounding how uh, how what what the mental the, what the mental situation must be with those guys because it's all it's all in the head, right? The bad guys they all got decent legs. It just gets in their head. They can't yeah. get it out of there. Uh, Pat, I think it's probably because you got Zim over on the sideline scaring the hell out of you. So, that's probably yeah. part of it. Uh, Pat, last thing for you here, we got about I don't know thirty or forty five seconds. So Kirk Cousins celebrated the big win yesterday by taking the family to Outback Steakhouse. Now, which chain Very restaurant? Which chain restaurant are you celebrating at for your next big victory? Well, I will say I do like the uh, coconut shrimp there at oh, uh, yes. Outback. That's pretty good. <laughs> so uh, good. But chain restaurant, yeah, Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A for me. I, I can get in and out Solid in 10 choice. minutes, but I'll, I'll eat Chick-fil-A. And by the way, I support gay marriage 100%, and I'll still eat a Chick-fil-A. I'd rather have a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Than they actually today announced, Pat, that they are pulling their uh, charitable donations to many of the uh, anti-LGBTQ. Uh, okay, next we want them to be bought by a heathen, so they're open on Sunday. Let's I just go to Popeye's. A, I'll just go to Popeye's, Pat. Egg, let's have an agnostic buy that uh chain and we can be open on sundays come on let's go here there's no there's no god at papa's you can eat there on sunday (laughs) that's right (laughs) all right pat we'll see we'll see you later Uh, that's roycey roycey on baseball coming up next and i heard i'm I'm told that about 15 minutes into roycey on baseball he drops a hot reckless speculation scenario oh Yes. Oh. And there will be an article dropping on scorenorth.com here shortly with the details of it. That's a tease right there. It's a big Mm, league tease. I'll have to listen. That's the goal, right? You know you can listen anytime you want, Jed? 
No, how? Scorenorth.com, the Score North mobile app, Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. I have to pay for that, I'm sure. No, it's free. It's totally free. Yeah, wow. It's all free. For now. Yep. Our podcast is free for now. You can find it, Mackie and Jeb with Rami, on the Score North app, Apple, or Spotify. See you guys tomorrow. I just said that.